Hello, music enthusiasts. Welcome to Sound Encounters, a music podcast where I explore new and classic releases, different genres, and your favorite artists and bands. I am your host, Cesar Torres. Thank you for joining me today. Episode 17. And now, now we're, we're we're getting to the to the back half of the year. And I'm really excited for, for the new music that's coming out pretty soon. It always seems like the best music comes out later in the year. I, I feel like we always have slow starts um, to the beginning of the year, with some exceptions, of course. But last year especially, I, I, I was waiting for, for something good, something for me to latch on to, say that, oh yes, this is like just excellent music from this year. And... There were definitely some a handful of albums that I, I really appreciated from earlier last year. But man, around around this time of year, we got the new Lightning Bolt album and the JPEG Mafia album. Clipping came out with an album as well as um, Swans. And, and those all uh, ended up in my favorite albums of last year. And I think we're uh, going to start seeing that ha- something similar happen right now. We're, we're actually about to get a shit ton of music coming up this week. We got the new Sufjan and Idols coming out, you know, two big bands and artists in their respective scenes and in the Indian post-punk scenes. And I even struggled to find uh, new albums to talk about for this week, although uh, one album came out uh, fairly recently that kind of saved my ass, but we'll get into that later. And I was going to listen to the new uh, A.G. Cook album, but I wanted to listen to uh, A.G.'s uh, album that came out a little bit earlier this year, uh, 7G, and I started to make my way through 7G, but that album is so freaking long. It goes through so many different genres that I was kind of struggling to listen through that album. I made it to like disc three before I moved on to uh, this new album that came out fairly recently, but yeah, it's just a lot to take in. <laughs> so I'm making my way through that album. Maybe you'll uh, get a, a review of 7G and even Apple once I finish listening to through that. Looks like looks like we're gonna start getting a an influx of new music soon. And man, it's getting colder. It's actually pretty warm right now where I'm where I'm at. It's like a nice eighty degrees. It feels like summer. I'm wearing a t shirt and shorts, but it was a bit colder uh, up here in the the Midwest for for a spell. Um so I, I busted out the autumn playlist and hey now it's now it's autumn. Now we can go out and get our pumpkin spice lattes we can dress up in in vests and skinny jeans i guess i don't know what's the perfect fall attire but around this time of year i like to listen through through, uh, several specific genres i don't i don't know if if it's if it's a bit weird i might have asked this question before but do you listen to any specific genres around certain times of year i would love to tell you what genres i listen to this time of year but i might make a guide on those genres so i'd rather keep keep you in suspense might ruin the surprise if I say anything but I'm curious as to whether or not you have any specific genres you listen to this year maybe even artists that you like oh yes it's fall gotta start listening to I don't know Sufjan or maybe even Death Grips if, if Death Grips is a is a fall band for you um but please let me know you can at me on Twitter at Sound Encounters I'm looking forward to your replies or even or even send me a voice message on anchor.fm forward slash sound encounters. I'm looking forward to your 
responses. And speaking of genres, I have a great show for you this week. Coming up, I'm going to be talking about contemporary folk music. But first, as always, we have to talk about this past week in music. Alright, so we got a number of singles this past week, as well as one LP, sorry, AG Cook. Just just a lot of heavy hitters this week. This past week was really great. Starting with the singles, the first one I listened to was Sugar by Sufjan Stevens. And man, we are going to get one of the best Sufjan projects with all these gold songs coming out. I'm so excited. Sugar has the first three minutes of the song. It's a seven minute long song. Uh, Focus on this calming yet danceable electronic melody that increases its intensity up until Sufjan comes on the track. Then it calms back down and relies on that ambient organ melody and vocal effects. It has a beauty to it that only Sufjan can pull off well, but it does get repetitive in an annoying way as the hook is repeated too many times at the end, which is my only gripe because this song is actually pretty wonderful and I'm really looking forward to the ascension. Another track I heard this week was from King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard called Straws in the Wind, another microtonal guitar melody, which I like. I also like Mackenzie's vocal melody, but for an almost six minute long song, it doesn't do much to keep my attention. It is pretty boring due to it being uh, stagnant. There are guitar solos. There's there's a bit of a harmonica solo as well. But other than that, it offers a little to keep me engaged with this song. And I think the, the track suffers because of that. But I hopefully we're getting uh, something new in the pipeline for King Gizzard. You know, I know they're maniacs and they can produce albums, so many fucking albums in a year. So the fact that we haven't gotten much is kind of weird but i also like i want them to take their time to hone in on their craft and become better songwriters and write better melodies so hopefully this new project will be exciting and something something fresh for the band up next we have feel away by slow tie featuring james blake and mount kimby this one surprised me didn't expect to vibe with that gorgeous looping piano melody killer production from mount kimby here Sotai is an artist that, I don't know, I, probably because I haven't heard too much from him. He made that one album and he's been popping out singles uh, throughout this year. But I just don't know how I feel about him. I think he does have the potential to, to be a really great rapper. But because he's only released one project, I, I'm not 100% sure on where my feelings fall on Sotai. But he did write a pretty good Love Sick song with Feel Away. And James offers his beautiful voice on a verse. And yeah, it's it's actually a pretty good song from Mr. Slotai. So got to give it up to him. Maybe he has another project lined up at least before the, the, the year ends. Next, I heard Moonlight by Future Islands. This is more of a, a low-key song compared to the last single they released, which was a bop. This one is comprised of hushed vocals, gentle guitars, and what sounds like airy synths in the background. Much like the Kinga song, it's pretty stagnant and it is kind of boring, so I'm just not feeling this track as much as I'd like to, but Future Islands doesn't really disappoint with an album release, so hopefully they also have something fun lined up. And finally, I heard Holy by Justin Bieber featuring Chance the Rapper. 
I, I, I have been following Chance for quite a while now. I, I do like his work, although the big day kind of ruined any enjoyability of Chance's music for me. And Justin Bieber, um, man, he was he was memed on when I was in grade school. And, you know, it was so funny when he said he was retiring and then he's he's back now. Um, he did end up making that one song that I thought was pretty catchy and, and pretty good, actually. I think it's the Is It Too Late to Say Sorry song. With this new collaboration, um, I didn't really care for it. I, I'm at the lowest point of interest for both of these artists. So, I mean, it makes sense that I didn't really care for it. I will say it's pretty catchy. The instrumentation was was pretty jovial, and I had fun listening to the instrumentation. No complaints there. But what does bother me is a lot of the lyrics. Chance's verse was corny, as expected. Lines like having a temper like Joe Pesci, when they get messy, go left like Lionel Messi, or even a reference to the Proud family is just so odd. And it seems like he's just rhyming to rhyme, and it's it's not clever lyricism at all something that I, I, I'm just not into. And Justin's lyrics don't impress me either. He can write a catchy hook, no doubt. Uh, if it is him writing the hook, maybe I should say Justin's team does a great job at writing a catchy hook. Um, but other than that, the lyrics fell flat for me. And the instrumentation, while fun, wasn't good enough to save this song. So not really a great track from Justin Bieber or Chance the Rapper. Okay, now that we're done with the singles, let's get into the one LP that I heard this week. Arriving on the Autumn Equinox. Just in time for some fall listening with your pumpkin spice latte. Which I don't know if I mentioned this in the intro. I don't I don't really like pumpkin spice lattes, although I did have one today, which was it, it was alright. The pumpkin spice is really the, the the taste is really subdued, so I can't really taste that, but it was nice to drink the i actually had a frap not a latte so i was lying anyway i'm getting off topic we got a new fleet foxes album sure last we heard from the foxes was in 2017 with their third full-length album crack up that album was a dramatic shift in tone following the very folk-centric helplessness blues from 2011 as crack up went for a darker tone and even experimented with the folk formula i really enjoyed crack up it felt like sort of a radio had moved to experiment and go for a darker tone. I think it paid off really well as I enjoyed most of those compositions from that album. So I was hoping for more of that. But with this new album, they've changed up their sound once again. Shore focuses on a lighthearted and uplifting mood with an emphasis on serene soundscapes. I mean, just look at that album cover. It's gorgeous. It perfectly reflects the sound of this album. And they are moving away from the typical folk or avant folk sound and are making songs that are more akin to indie and chamber pop. Although since Robin Pecknold's vocals are fairly recognizable and it is associated with Fleet Fox's folk phase, I'm going to call it, any song with him on vocals sounds like it could be a folk song. And we do get a little bit of folk here and there, but mostly it, it is just indie sounding, chamber pop sounding. They're no strangers to the chamber folk sound, but there is no like extravagant six, seven, eight minute long folk ballad on this record. They mainly focus on these four to three minute songs, much like how their debut album was structured. And it was a bit jarring for me 
I definitely wasn't expecting this kind of sound. Uh, I wasn't expecting a Fleet Foxes album so soon since the gap between Helplessness Blues and Crack Up was like six years, I want to say, right? Six years. So yes, this this did this did come as a shock and it was a bit difficult to get into. But once I got into it, I had a fun time. Sunblind was a great song to put at the beginning of the track list because it's a good indicator of what we are going to get on the rest of this album. We get a taste of these ethereal and blissful arrangements composed with pianos and percussion and Pecknold's always amazing vocals. And you could listen to what I just said and think, yeah, this this is very on brand with Fleet Fox's early work and even the Helplessness Blues album. But the difference is that there isn't folksy guitars or violins to make it sound like it is folk-inspired. In fact, I'm hearing more of a rock-inspired sound on this album. The following track, Can I Believe You, relies heavily on the guitars and the main riff, which becomes the main focus of this song. It's funny because at first I thought it reminded me of Coldplay, which is never a good thing, but the band makes this sound work without sounding boring or like it was manufactured in a in a factory like Coldplay. And again, Pecknold's vocals are on point here. He heightens what could have been a bland song. There are so many other moments when the music and vocals feel so grand and full, like the very lush, a long way past the past, as the instrumentation sounds so ethereal and Pecknold's voice fully occupies the space the song is in. Going to the Sun Road has a soft horn section, but these synths, maybe keyboards, are elegant and stunning. Probably my favorite song here is Maestranza, as the guitars are very hypnotic and remind me of like a Weird Fishes by Radiohead, and making another Radiohead comparison here. But unlike York, Pecknell's vocals are full of life, and, and he's energetic and elevates the song to the skies. There are moments of genuine beauty and bliss throughout most of the record, and I think that's what Pecknell and Co. wants us to focus on. That's what they were going for. But I would be lying if I said that. I don't think every song on here holds up. My least favorite tracks here are Jara and Young Man's Game. And it's not because they are bad songs. But compared to all the others, they fail to hold my attention and have less captivating textures and melodies. But for the most part, I was pretty surprised by this new Fleet Foxes album. Very unexpected turn in sound, but... After listening to it a couple of times, I'm hooked. I, a lot of songs in here are very catchy and they're beautiful. And I can already tell that some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. I know for me, I was a bit disappointed that folk didn't play a large part on this album. But now hearing the album in full and hearing the new direction, I was pretty open to it. And it was a very, very enjoyable record. And that does it for this past week in music. What was your favorite song or album from this past week? Go ahead and let me know on Twitter at Sound Encounters. Shoot me a little tweet, little Twitter, or send me a voice message on anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters. Speaking of folk, when we come back from this break, I'll be talking about contemporary folk music and five albums to get you into that genre. Stay tuned, everybody.
Welcome back to Sound Encounters. Before the break, I promised that I'd be going over contemporary folk music and five albums to get you into contemporary folk. And I just thought it was hilarious. I was writing down the my script for this segment. And while I was doing that, I got an alert. I got a news alert saying that Fleet Foxes would be dropping a new album like on Tuesday. And I was just thinking like, man, this was a sign that I, I should be doing the, the folk music guide this week. Although they didn't really come out with a new folk album. Um, but they are known for their, their folksy arrangements. So now that I say it out loud, it's kind of strange that I would bring this up. And earlier in the show, I was talking about genres that I listen to in the fall, and contemporary folk is one of them. So you better believe I'll be blasting these songs throughout this season. Okay, what is contemporary folk? Contemporary folk music refers to music that emerged in the mid-20th century and evolved from traditional folk music. The transition from traditional to contemporary folk music took place in the U.S. and can also be referred to the American folk music revival movement. We also see fusions like folk rock coming out of this movement, which is probably the most famous fusion. But uh, without contemporary folk, we wouldn't have indie folk, neo folk, psychedelic folk, avant folk, genres I listened to before listening to the source, the, the root of all of these genres. And just really quick, I won't be going over just American folk music, as I think influences from Canada and the UK helped bolster the movement and helped influence artists that are currently making indie and chamber folk right now. And we should talk about those artists and albums too, as they, they again, had a huge impact. The question I guess I should be asking is, why was this movement such a an immense jumping off point for all these other subgenres? It's because contemporary folk music takes folk traditions and includes other instrumentation, such as electronic instruments, and is also influenced by popular music. And because of that, it brings in more influences and ideas so that the folk formula can evolve and incorporate those changes. It's also important to mention that traditional folk songs have no known composers, and it's mainly music that has been passed down through oral transmission, word of mouth, whatever you want to call it, whereas contemporary folk music is made up of new compositions and arrangements. Songs like Do Your Ears Hang Low, For He's a Jolly Good Fellow, I've Been Working on the Railroad, and etc. Uh, are all songs that we know, but don't really know who wrote or composed them, so those are examples of traditional folk music. I won't be talking about indie folk or the folk pop of today's music scenes, as I mainly want to focus on the artists and albums that had a huge impact on contemporary folk around the 40s to the early 70s. So without further ado, here are five albums to get you into contemporary folk music, starting with Dust Bowl Ballads by Woody Guthrie, released in 1940. To understand contemporary folk, we have to first understand Woody Guthrie, as he was one of the earliest figures in the genre and bridges the traditional with the contemporary, as he sang traditional songs as well as composed his own. Dust Bowl Ballads was his first collection of songs and was released in two volumes in 1940, then as a compilation in 1964, but for this guide, I'm pulling from the 2000 reissue. It's a bit confusing, but what matters here is Woody's original collection of songs from 1940. On first listen, there seems to be nothing special about Dust Bowl Ballads. The songs center around Woody's vocals and acoustic guitar melodies, which is pretty standard for American folk music. But what's really special about this album 
is that all the songs center around the 1930s Dust Bowl and the effects that it had on the country and its people. And because it has this main story throughout the album, it is considered to be one of the first, if not the very first, concept album. With the creation of the concept album, folk music is able to incorporate segments of a story that connect and create a larger narrative, which is why I wanted to include this album. Also, the storytelling is made so much more authentic as Guthrie draws from his own experience during the Dust Bowl era, where he witnessed the economic hardship that many migrant workers faced in California. Dust Pneumonia Blues describes people getting pneumonia during the Dust Bowl, and man, it, he just makes it sound so horrible. There's a bit at the beginning where the narrator goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells him he doesn't have much longer to live. And then there's a verse at the end where the narrator's wife passes out, and how he had to throw a bucket of dirt in her face to to wake her up again. Just awful shit that they were going through around the Dust Bowl, having all these health issues. And then in Talking Dust Bowl Blues, Woody tells the story of a farmer who lived the simple life, you know, hauling crops into town, selling them, buying clothes and food for the family and supporting his family. Then when the Dust Bowl happened, he had to sell the farm to afford a Ford vehicle. And then it goes on to describe all the things wrong that happened to the Ford, breaking down, having to call a mechanic, typical Ford. And now with this new job, he isn't able to feed his family as much as they're used to. Woody even says the stew is so thin you can read a magazine through it. So here we learn of the hardships of an American family during the Dust Bowl. But the last bit of the song is probably the most interesting part of it, as Woody says, if the stew was just a little bit thinner, some of the politicians could have seen right through it. This line really threw me off at first, but it, it, it makes sense as it seems like politicians wouldn't really have cared about the plight of working class people during the Dust Bowl. Nothing's really changed, I guess. These songs also contained an element of social activism, which would influence later folk musicians and even artists outside the folk bubble. One of the most important artists he did influence was Bob Dylan, which we'll get into in a bit. But I, I enjoyed listening to these political songs. One of my favorites being Vigilante Man. Around this time, Vigilante was used to describe hired thugs that crushed labor movements in America. So the lyrics talk about the, this vigilante man with a shotgun and a club in his hand. Verse 5 talks about a preacher advocating for working class unions. And then in the next line, it, it talks about a strange man, the vigilante, killing him in the river, which I can imagine. Just You couldn't unionize. It's hard. It was hard to be a working class person in America. It still is today. So... I can just imagine the scary just times that they were going through back then. But this album was important, and it was showcasing what was happening at the time and how, how fed up Woody was with, with these injustices. Without Woody, we wouldn't have these political messages in our folk songs, and folk music uh, wouldn't have been conceptual. Now, for someone who does get political and was actually inspired by Woody Guthrie, as I stated before, we have a Bob Dylan record on the list, and that record is The Free Willin' Bob Dylan, released in 1963. Dylan has a lot of albums that could have ended up on this spot, like Bringing It Back Home, Blonde on Blonde, maybe even Blood on the Tracks, which is my personal favorite. But I picked Free Willin' because it was the first time Dylan was composing original material and writing songs about the civil rights movement, fear of nuclear war, 
and he was even talking about his personal life on this album. This was the first time that Dylan was showcasing his lyrical and songwriting abilities because all but two songs on his debut were covers. And so audiences in the 60s were getting a taste of who Bob Dylan was, and they loved him. Blowing in the Wind is the first track off of this album, and it is just so well written, and it's unfortunately timeless. I say unfortunately because I hear lyrics like, how many roads must a man walk down before you call him a man, and how many years can some people exist before they're allowed to be free, and I relate that to what's happening now with black people and Black Lives Matter. There's also a brilliant line where Dylan asks, how many times can a man turn his head and pretend that he just doesn't see? And it really captures how how some people just don't care about what's happening to other people, like black people or immigrants being detained and being treated like shit, and it's just disgusting. It's such a profound opening to your second album. No wonder people took a liking to him so easily. We can also hear bits of Guthrie in these songs, like talking World War III blues, not only is this song taking its name from the Guthrie song Talking Dust Bowl Blues, but the story flows like that song as well, with the protagonist talking about a day in the life and encountering troubles throughout the day. What's interesting about this song is Dylan's humor throughout it. He pokes fun at those who are scared of communists, as the Red Scare terrorized a lot of Americans during the Cold War era. He has a line in the fourth verse that addresses xenophobia as a shotgun is fired at the protagonist and his internal monologue is, I don't blame him too much though, he didn't know me. Then in the next verse, a man running a hot dog stand runs away screaming from the protagonist because he thought he was a communist. So Dylan thought that the red scare was absurd and he's poking fun at it and he even heightens this with his delivery in verse 5. Just listen to the last line where he says, thought I was a communist. His dry delivery makes me smile. Then we have a song like A Hard Rain's A Gonna Fall, which is a stunningly beautiful song. This is really where Dylan's fear of nuclear war comes out, as the verses are centered around distressing images as he refers to dead oceans, babies raised by wolves, weapons at the hands of children, people laughing at the starving and people burning, apocalyptic images from the perspective of this wandering traveler. And the guitar melody only consists of a couple of chords bouncing back between each other, but it's just so iconic. Truly one of Dylan's best songs. Also, I can't talk about Dylan without mentioning his stellar harmonica playing. It's so freaking good. These masterful folk pieces are accompanied by these tender and catchy love ballads like Girl from the Northern Country and Corina Corina. There's also the fierce protest song Masters of War, which criticized not only the Vietnam War, but war in general. A song like this is a good example of the protest songs that Dylan would be known for throughout his entire career. If you loved this album, I suggest checking out the rest of his discography because this man is still making music to this day, and he's a freaking legend. At number three, I have Songs of Leonard Cohen by Leonard Cohen, released in 1967. Okay, now let's get some Canadian love on this list. You recognize this name. This is the guy who wrote Hallelujah, a song that has been beaten to death cover after cover. But he wrote other songs as well and is considered by many, myself included, to be a folk legend. With this album, I wanted to highlight how other instruments are being incorporated into some of these songs. So with Guthrie, it was just guitars and vocals. Dylan incorporated the harmonica. And Cohen has woodwinds, 
a harp, strings, drums, and a bass guitar, getting very elaborate with the instrumentation and compositions now. And this is around the time that chamber folk started to take off with artists like Simon and Garfunkel and Cat Stevens releasing music around the same time as this album. So as you can imagine, Cohen has had a huge impact on chamber folk music and his impact can still be felt today. So Long Marion has to be my favorite composition on the album as it was so easy to get into and it's partially because it sounds like a modern chamber folk song with the different strings, drum, bass, and backing vocals coming together seamlessly to make an exquisite song. And on top of that, Cohen demonstrates his storytelling and lyrical prowess. The story of So Long Marianne revolves around a man grieving a relationship with this Marianne character, and he feels like his world is ending because he feels like she was the love of his life. Verse 4 has this man feeling all alone and describes his longing for her as a spider web because he feels trapped in his feelings for her, which is a, a wonderful metaphor, and I appreciate that in lyrics, especially in folk songs. And I also love the last verse just for the sake of finality. Both characters in the story have moved on from one another and are able to continue with their lives. It's a simple story, but one that is just so human and relatable. And it's an important song as it lays down the fundamentals for chamber folk. One of my favorite aspects of this album is how tender and dreamy most of these songs are. Cohen's vocal performances are very hushed and peaceful, like he's piecing together these songs with care and attention. Master Song is one of the best examples of his whispered vocals, and, and along with the gentle guitar plucking, it's one of the more soothing tracks on the record. The following songs, Winter Lady and The Stranger Song, also have a gentleness to them. Winter Lady adds tender woodwinds to the already tender vocals and guitars, and the Stranger song fades into this quick and moving muted chord progression, and Cohen's vocals seem to be uh, louder than the guitars. Cohen tends to focus on individual stories about people and love, and doesn't really get caught up in the political like Dylan or Guthrie. And for some, that's an attractive quality while listening to lyrics. And while I do like the political lyrics, of course there is a spot for the love ballads that Cohen produces. I mean, just listen to that opening song, Suzanne. It's a wonderful and serene love song. And I just love that chorus as Cohen says, you want to travel with her, you want to travel blind. You know that she will trust you for you've touched her perfect body with your mind. I mean, that's a wonderful way to describe a love and a relationship with someone who you trust. And that emotional potency is heightened with the female backing vocals and the swelling strings. A gorgeous composition, truly one of his best. This album does a lot of things right, and there's no doubt it has made its mark in contemporary folk over the years. At number four, we have Five Leaves Left by Nick Drake, released in 1969. Now let's get a UK artist on this list. In his lifetime, Nick Drake only recorded three studio albums, but he's become one of the most influential folk singer-songwriters in recent history. He's influenced Kate Bush... Peter Buck of R.E.M., and Robert Smith of The Cure, to name a few. And over the years, thanks to the internet, Nick Drake has gained an audience and critical acclaim. And for those of you who are Nick Drake fans, like myself, you might be wondering why I'm choosing this album over Pink Moon or even his second full-length album, Brighter Later. And I think Pink Moon and Brighter Later are fantastic albums that could have filled this slot, but everyone recognizes those albums they are iconic, and music listeners have given it a lot of attention, and for good reason. 
but I want to focus my attention on this album because it is a fantastic folk album as well, with elements that make it stand out among the other albums on this list. It also serves as a great introduction to Nick Drake and his music. Honestly, any one of his three albums are great starting points, but this one has his lushest and mellowest pieces out of all three of his records. The music is classified by the dramatic orchestral arrangements throughout the album. I was blown away by the dramatic string arrangement of Way to Blue, and it's a fairly short song, just hitting three minutes long, but it makes its impact in that amount of time. Or the intricate and slow-moving composition of the congas, the shaker, double bass, and cello on Cello Song. One of my favorite songs on the record. I just love how all these instruments and Drake's voice just blend together to create this beautiful tapestry of music. I also appreciate how gentle it is, yet the congas keep this rapid rhythm, especially at the end. In fact, the strings don't move at a slow pace either. It's a moderate pace, and and what really keeps this song grounded and keeps it at that steady pace is Drake's vocals and the cello, because they are both delicate and move carefully throughout the song. Even Drake's humming near the end seems to be moving along with the cello, and that makes for just absolute beauty. Another highlight for me are the elegant woodwinds dispersed throughout the album. There's a wonderful flute on Thoughts of Mary Jane that accompany Robert Kirby's equally elegant string arrangement, and the oboes and English horn on Fruit Tree sounds melancholic and sapped of joy. Every song is absolutely beautiful, which is ironic considering a lot of the lyrics can be painstakingly sad. Drake suffered from depression and was reluctant to perform live and give interviews, which some have interpreted as anxiety, and I wouldn't be surprised. He passed away five years after releasing this album from an antidepressant overdose, and it's still unclear whether it was intentional or an accident, but much like Ian Curtis with Joy Division, Nick Drake's depression and death looms over his music. And he wrote songs about his depression, and he often reflected in those songs. In Way Too Blue, Drake is desperate to find happiness and asks questions hoping for answers, but doesn't seem to ever get those answers. Fruit Tree sees him contemplating fame and his life, stating that the famous will never find true fame while they are alive. And considering that Drake didn't become famous until after his death, this statement holds some weight. Probably my favorite line on this track is, Forgotten while you're here, remembered for a while. A much updated ruin from a much outdated style. Just horribly depressing stuff. And the song that feels the most hopeless has to be Day is Done because it is a song that explores loss, but because Drake is singing it, the song just feels a bit heavier as he says, all things must come to an end eventually. An absolutely beautiful, yet haunting album. I would highly recommend his other albums if you loved this one. And finally, for my number fifth spot, we have We Have Blue by Joni Mitchell, released in 1971. Back to Canada, and we have some female representation. Blue explores Joni Mitchell's relationships as well as the color blue. It plays a big role in these songs. Whether she's feeling blue, down or depressed, or her lovers keep her from feeling sad. With a name like Blue, I expected the album to be a depressing piece of work, but it kept the balance between different moods and hardly stayed in one place. The album also does a fantastic job at showcasing Joni's songwriting abilities, instrument playing, and her singing. She's able to tell these fascinating personal stories with a ton of detail, and it makes it easy for me to see things from her perspective. There's a sense of regret and urgency on this flight tonight, 
and it matches the story as Joni doubts her decisions to leave her lover and fly back home, and this is accompanied with dramatic guitar playing. And I was able to feel that deep regret that she was conveying in this song. And that's exactly the kind of thing you want to feel when listening to a folk song, really any well-written piece of music. Getting back to her instrument playing, she plays the Appalachian dulcimer on this album, which sounds incredible along with guitar, piano, and drum arrangements. And every song, her voice is the focal point. She sings in this classical soprano range, and she could hit some really high notes, and it's just mesmerizing to hear her in a lot of these songs. The way the instrumentation and her voice work together is one of the true beauties of this record. I love her vocal performance and dulcimer playing on California. It's an upbeat and jovial melody that jumps in these short bursts. And it's funny because it reminds me a lot of chamber folk that I listened to growing up. And it made it easier for me to appreciate Mitchell's music. And you could tell she was a huge inspiration to folk and chamber folk artists, which is just another reason to appreciate her and this album. You can also hear equally amazing melodies like on Case of You, which is a beautiful dulcimer and guitar melody. I personally like the lyricism as well, because some songs can make me feel happy and warm inside, like My Old Man, which is a sweet and touching love song. And then there are songs that make me sad, like the title track, which aptly deals with sadness and depression. The album concludes with The Last Time I Saw Richard, which I believe to be a very appropriate ending to the album, as it deals with both cynicism and optimism when approaching relationships. Joni representing the optimistic side and the character of Richard being the cynic, all the while a dramatic and melancholic piano melody is playing. There's so much to love about this album, another contemporary folk achievement from a well-respected singer-songwriter. And with that, that concludes my list of five essential contemporary folk albums. To recap, we have Dust Bowl Ballads by Woody Guthrie, The Free Willin' Bob Dylan by Bob Dylan, Songs of Leonard Cohen by Leonard Cohen, Five Leaves Left by Nick Drake, and Blue by Joni Mitchell. Who are some of your favorite folk artists? What is your favorite folk album? Please let me know on Twitter and on Anchor at Sound Encounters and anchor.fm forward slash Sound Encounters. I would love to keep this folk discussion going. All right, so that does it for this week of Sound Encounters. Next week, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what next week holds. I might just do another guide list. Might do a guide on an artist. Could could do another essentials. Could do something completely different. Let me know what you guys want to hear next week. You can shoot me a message on Twitter or Anchor. I'm interested to hear what you guys would like to hear. Follow the Sound Encounters Twitter and Instagram at Sound Encounters. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts and it could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Do you have a question or suggestion for me? Then visit the Twitter or Anchor page and submit your question. That too could be featured on the next episode of Sound Encounters. Thank you to Soundstripe for their wonderful selection of music, which I use today. And thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting my little show here. I'm Caesar. This has been Sound Encounters, and I'll see you next week.